When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that brings all the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action. All with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Wallover Podcast, Wallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Pods and all other random podcatchers. Uh, we're back for 2022, and not only will we be able to be back for 2022, but we are also shortlisted for a sports podcast award, which is quite exciting. So if you get two minutes, please go and vote for us. Uh, we've tweeted out several times already, so go and vote for us there. We're up against some pods I've never heard of, but also uh, James Haskell's one. And also, um, for God's sake, please vote for us so that one doesn't win. And um, uh, Hamilton and Good and their you know independent and their independent podcast um, <laughs> in inverted commas because independent fully studio based podcast with yeah, producer funded and sponsored and all that other shit I mean it does it does make me laugh the amount of podcasts that I hear oh yeah well we're completely independent but you've yeah. got financial backing and like you say studio recorded access to all of the the high-end people you know oh well, yeah probably, but who gives a shit if people are independent or not? If you put out good content, listen to it. If you don't, don't. It's true. Simples. But we, I mean, we will loosely talk about rugby in one way, shape, or form um, throughout the next hour or so. Uh, you've heard all of the people that are here. I'm Russ. Uh, we are joined by the housewife's favourite, uh, Phil Elkins. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Still going with that. Still going with hello, ladies. Still going with hello, ladies. Um, someone who, who probably shouldn't go with hello, ladies, uh, wearing a really fetching green sweater is Ben Eustace, nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting. Hello, Ben. Hello, nice people. <laughs> and um, the Lensman, Dougie Andrews. Welcome, Lensman. Welcome to hello. 2022. Oh, was that was that it? Was it? 
<laughs> well, how much more of a, a greeting do you need? I don't know, mate. I don't know, but uh... once more into the breach, dear podcast listeners. <laughs> right, let's talk about. Should we talk about some rugby, or have you got any any um, Christmas break related news you want to get off your chest before we crack on? Anybody got any interesting stories from their Christmas and New Year? We crack on, to be honest. Yeah, other good. than other than the fact that um, uh, I went with the family to watch Exeter Bristol last weekend, and following listen me listening to um, rugby ranter banter multiple times, um, I now cannot say Harry Randall. I have to say little Harry Randall running with a candle. So Which much is so, the correct way to pronounce his name. So much so that my wife now says the same as well. <laughs> in her in her Scottish accent. When which you, I'm not going to try. When you um when you say it, do you envisage him in like a an 1800s full length nightgown and one of those hats? Wee Willy Winky and, and and a pair of sandals. Yes. Yeah. Harry Randall um, carrying a candle, wearing sandals. And uh, yeah, Julie also said. You know these rugby players are all bigger in real life. How how big's that little one? That little one wearing nine. And I was like, yeah, about the same about size. Dog my size. Tw- about the same size as my twelve-year-old son. Yeah. I actually oh. am taller than Harry Randall, just for the record. He's he's got an unearthly big head, Harry Randall, as well. Have you noticed? People who here's a list of people who need to not mention the size of their heads: Russell Nelson. <laughs> Yeah, but my, my head's proportionate. <laughs> to, to he's, he's got, well, to me, Phil. To the bottom of his head. <laughs> Harry Randall is like, he's he's a bit Frank Sidebottom, for those of you that get that reference. Um, anyway, right. Well, talking about little Harry Randall running with a candle, uh, let's talk about Sale Bristol um, Friday evening. An interesting game. Wayne Barnes doing his 250th Premiership game, finally. Now everyone can stop wanking 250th? on. 250th? No, I yeah. mentioned it. I know, yeah, I was going to say. Well, at least people can stop wanking on about it now. Um, And for what it's worth, it was an absolutely terrible game, wasn't it, Ben? Yeah, it was a shocker. Um, Between people dropping highballs and people missing tackles it was um error strewn is that is that a fair summary error strewn i th- i would say so i mean uh, it didn't help just before kickoff with sale losing van rensburg which meant depria had to come in at 13 um and we all you know we talked about revolving door defenders for quite some time but jesus christ sanderson must have been absolutely apoplectic when he missed his third or fourth tackle to allow Bristol to, to stroll in for two tries. Um, you know, you think he looked, he looked to me, I, I put it in the, in, in the group that, that he looks like, he looks like he's ill. Like he looks like he's weak. He looks like he's lost wet, lost weight. And he's just like really weak. He's been chained to a similar radiator as Adam Hastings. Do you reckon there's some kind of inverse axis with rugby players where everybody else eats shitloads over Christmas and gets fat and he's just been on a starvation diet to make up for it? Well, it's like he, he he's clearly the runt of his family anyway. Um, Wait, Dan, Dan must like go to family gatherings and just spend the whole time totting whenever he sees him. <laughs> I can tell you what does happen. 
he goes out to the nightclub and starts all the aggro, and the other two have to step in and bail him out. Again. Yeah. It, that is 100% nailed on to be the case. Yeah. He starts all the scraps, and you'll find him outside eating a bag of chips while his brothers are wading through piles of Mancunians. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, after they've put them there, oh, just decimating the whole of the Trafford Centre. I don't know whether he starts fights in the Trafford Centre, but <laughs> um, I couldn't think of any... Uh, other places in other Manchester. places in Manchester. Um, yeah. So Ben, you mentioned there that a lot of high balls, a lot of there was a lot of bouncing balls, weren't there? Like the Bristol back three really struggled, or they seemed to struggle against against Sales kicking game. Yeah, I think both sides did to a degree, but Bristol did look um like they didn't have a clue at times. And it's not the first time that's happened in was it their first game of the season against Saracens? They were noticeably bad um, under the high ball as well. Yeah. Um, that was when they, everyone was really fixated on 50-22s, wasn't it? We just, just right. won 50-22. Yeah. yeah, people were desperate for the first one, weren't they? Um, but yeah, it it really put Bristol in trouble and it, it nearly cost them certainly one try. Um, and I think, it was weren't both of those sort of, disallowed tries off kicks. I know one wasn't a high ball, one was more a little chip, but, you know, they didn't gather them and they got very lucky on both occasions that a knock-on was given. Yeah. Um, I think me and Phil were talking about it in the first one. There was a knock-on, but it, it would have been very much umpire's call if it had been in a cricket match. It was oh, by the it, narrowest of margins. If um, it was a, in a club game, there's no way a ref spots it. The ball no. brushes his finger and goes and carries on in its path. But... When you've got a TMO who wants to be the centre of attention, they're going to pick that up. I wanted to I wanted to to speak about TMOs. Maybe we'll do it we'll do it in a little while. Yeah, I'm, just, I, I'm sick of them just inserting themselves into a game without without invitation. And what that says to me, it's a lack of it's a lack of um, ability and a lack of confidence by the uh, standing official. I'm not going to comment on the TMOs as no. quite frequently they're sat next to me. No, and that's and that's absolutely fine. But do you, do you think next time they sit next to you, can so, you take a, take a roll of duct tape with you? Yeah, just, just, just a little un- bit over the mouth. Just unplug the microphone. Um, what what I will say around this subject is Friday night they checked. So in fairness to to bars, I don't know who the TMO was for Barnes on Friday night. Can anybody remember? He referee, Wayne Barnes referees his own game. They checked the tries because it was scoring and he, he wanted to check. And even he, he even asked for the check before he awarded the try. He didn't say on field as a try. There are certain other officials. And one of them was yesterday at um, the stoop who is by far the worst um, official in the Premiership at the moment um, and has been for quite some time, Ian Tempest. Um, Tom Foley. Foley was Friday night. Friday night, yeah. Um, But And then Foley today, he was getting interjections. And what the, the TMO 
should only speak when spoken to. I, I don't know how many times we've been down this rabbit hole, but the TMO should only talk or only speak when spoken to. He did tell him to get lost today, didn't he? Pretty much. Yeah, it just so infuriating i don't want to fucking hear from you if i want if i want your advice i'll ask for it if i've missed something clear that is dangerous and foul play fine otherwise shut the twat up there, there was a bit yeah there was a bit today when somebody tackled hoo-ha and hoo-ha made a genuine attempt to catch the ball and cocked it up yeah that was got tackled at the same off. time yeah and the ref was like i, I don't i just don't get it what's your problem What's what's the issue here? Why have you why have you stopped the game to get me to look at something? Yeah, it's absolute bollocks, and it's completely unnecessary. Um, we'll, well come on, we'll come on to Tempest in a minute, but we'll finish off we'll finish off on the Bristol the Bristol chat first. Yeah, um, can I can I take you down a slightly different rabbit hole as a follow on? Um, you had a conversation today with uh, on Twitter, Russ, with Nick Johnson. I did. Um, yeah, who was who was suggesting that people should be cited so that they can look at incidents in the cold light of day and make a decision as to whether it should have deserved a red card. Now, for me, sightings should only really be about things that carry a, a three, six, 12-week ban or something. If the ref spots it, deals with it at the time, Either uh, things either the ref hasn't spotted or seriously, we don't want this in the game kind of stuff, rather than I've got a dubious tackle, could it have been a red card? Leave that leave that to the ref to sort out on the day. You don't need a sighting commissioner to, to get involved in that kind of stuff. Ref's seen it, ref's looked at it, gone, I don't think there's an issue there. Move on, forget it. Yeah, agree. They had, um, we've talked before about the sort of referral system they have in rugby league, haven't we? Where it's like the referee can go, I don't think it's that bad, but someone can have a look at it later. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've said before, I think like a count back system. So, um, you know, they could sort of have like a referral. And then if you pick up, I don't know, three of those upheld in this season, you, you miss a game or something like that, rather than keep sending people off. I don't know if that would work better. But the problem is, like any law change in rugby, they soon find a way to take advantage of it. Um, yeah. So, so whatever you bring in, someone will, someone will find an advantage for themselves from it somewhere, and then it'll, it'll be, um, it'll be a waste of time. But yeah, they do need to wind the TMOs in a bit. It just see, it just seems needless, and and it's another, it's another way that's slowing down the game unnecessarily. Um, but back, back to Sale Bristol, I mean, Bristol kept Sale scoreless in the second half. And like you mentioned, it was error strewn, Ben. There was, oh, there was that, there was that one bit of um, magic, should we say, right at the last, when, when Sale were trying to get themselves back into the game for a, for a losing bonus point. And, and um, Uren and uh, Lloyd combined for what was a lovely bit of play, really. And, uh, you know, a hell of an offload from Lloyd. Yeah, he sort of came alive in the last 10 minutes, really. Um, you know, he, he played well. Um, but, you know, for the rest of the game, the Bristol back sort of flattered to deceive a little bit. And, um, you know, it wasn't until he sort of came alive. I think they probably improved when Uren came on because I'm not sure Randall had his best game. Um, his his kicking isn't the best. And the, it, was a, it was a very much a, a night for kicking. Um and especially once Sale realised Bristol's back three were going to drop everything, they they really went for it. 
Um, but, you know, I think Sale probably would feel hard done by because of the two disallowed tries. But I think Bristol were the better side. So if they'd lost, yeah. they'd probably have felt hard done by as well. And, and Radrandra was quiet. I mean, he gave that offload back on the inside to Morahan, which Duncan Keane in, our, in the Twitter group mentioned. You know, do you think do you think he got away with a potential forward pass because it was Radrandra, or did were you sort of on the on the cusp of it being just flat? Let's crack I, on. I just thought I I thought it was all right. You've, you've seen players get away with worse than that. Don't didn't have a lot of problem with that. Um, yeah, Morhan had two good finishes. You know, he did have a little bit of help from the revolving door for, for the first one. But um, and I think, Phil, I think you said in the chat, didn't you, that um, whichever of the brothers it was at number eight had a, had a um, very good game as well. Yeah. Yeah, he, I like him. He's my, he's my kind of eight. You see these eights like, um, oh, I suppose, Billy historically... Um, Nathan Hughes is a bit of it as well where they just want to run straight at people and take on that physical contact and I just think Dan's a bit cleverer and a bit more wily than that, he'll he'll run at people's shoulders and yeah, you won't get such a big physical contact but he'll make four or five extra yards every time he gets the ball you see him and he's like pickups from eight and the flanker's on him and he's just keeps trundling forwards because he's got raw natural power and he's and he's clever enough not to try and run over the top of people. Um, no, I, I really like him. I think he's a great player. I think he's wasted at Sale. <laughs> I mean, sales, it's sales, looking at Sale's defence and specifically, you know, Dupree's failings at 13. Um, I know he doesn't play there often, but he should still be able to make your tackles. It was like they were always daring Bristol to go wide. They were really, yeah. they were really narrow, and they they seem to be operating that. You know, we're we're going to rush you on the inside, and we're going to dare you to go wide. And if you can get round the back, if you can get round there, we'll back ourselves to 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 get across on a second wave. And it seems a very risky strategy when you've got centres that can't tackle properly. <laughs> and and Marlon Yard wouldn't be renowned. Is that a strategy? Tackle either. What a strategy! What? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Doug, 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 yeah. I mean, I suppose uh, you could say that you're trying to get um, Bristol kind mm-hmm. of isolating themselves, making a break, and then Curry maybe there to to come and get the ball, but. Our, our strategy it, is to have a really soft belly. Was yeah. it was it was it not potentially a case of we know this chap can't tackle, therefore we're going to keep twelve and the winger a bit closer to him, and allow the um, the flankers to cover him behind him a bit easier because if he's if we spread nice and wide once they're through him, it's two and one against fullback. Yeah, that, all, that sounds all, like. We've all been in teams with somebody who can't tackle and, and you say, have a player, a player as close as possible to them on either side. That's, that sounds like an al- analysis. Let's go with that. Yeah. It's, it's, usually, <laughs> it's usually the 10. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let, let's move off of that. Then that was Brittle's first win in four. Sale, uh, flattering to, to deceive a touch at the minute. They're, they're in ninth. Um, as I say, Bristol is still sort of languishing. On twenty-one points now. In uh, before in we move position. on, go on, mate. I 
I'd be remiss if I didn't say how much I'm enjoying Pat Sanderson not being the second coming. <laughs> Alex Anderson. Alex Anderson, yeah. Well, I'd, I, you know, I think it is one of the most beautiful things that's ever happened in Premiership rugby. <laughs> I mean, not making it's... so many jokes on the touchlines now, are we, Alex? Okay, <laughs> not such a hoot now, are you, mate? I mean, it was very systematic, Saracens. He was part of uh, the big red machine, wasn't he? That was that was always, you know, steamroller in teams. And Did, I, Wait, I'm pretty I'm sure it was funny. Eddie. Pretty sure it was Eddie who was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe um, the the reason that Saracens are so good isn't all of these great assistant coaches they've got who've gone to other clubs and look distinctly average. Maybe it's Mark McCall." Or maybe it's no, Brendan no. Before we, we, we're still missing the point here. It's, it was none of that. No, it wasn't. It was the fact that they had twenty-five to thirty full tier one international rugby players playing in a squad. Yeah, yeah. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but they got beat by Gloucester, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. They didn't get beat by Gloucester when they were cheating. That that's also true. That's also true, um, but we we can come on we can come on to that. We'll we'll come on to that now very quickly. So Gloucester with the last gasp victory um, in the last five minutes. A penalty from Hastings was enough to beat Saracens, despite a Lewington last second try. Um, a, a conversion for the, from Lazowski would have would have sold, uh, would have sealed a victory for Saracens, but he missed. But looking at that Saracens team. You know, Mako, um, who was yellow carded. It's for me when it's the bench, it's the bench where you see the biggest weaknesses in any team because most, most first 15s in the premiership are, are, are all pretty much as good as each other on their day. But where you see the big drop off now for, for Saracens is the, is the bench there. Walston Crow. Tompkins, Milasinovic, whoever he is, McFarland, never heard of him, Maui, never heard of him, Lewington, uh, Hunter Hill, and Dehas. I mean, and when Saracens were, were, were dominating, and they did fairly well dominate, they were scoring a shed load of points in the last 20 minutes. They were, there was a high number of games, that it was touch and go at half time. They'd maybe pick up one try early on in the second half and then they'd score 20, 30 points in the last 20 minutes. And you're right, they don't have that strength and depth in the in the bench coming through. But equally, I don't think their first team's as intimidating as it was when it was when they had Liam Williams and Cruz and Will Skelton and you various other it. people. You can say it, Bill, when when they were cheating. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. When they were cheating. No, I don't think their first team's as good as it was when they were caught cheating. Shock. <laughs> no. Um, Absolute shock. Who knew that football manager was harder when you didn't go into the editor and put all the best players on your team and give you yourself what, a billion pounds? <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a previous pod, Russ has suggested downloading Champ Man 0102. Mm. Try playing that with Southampton because nobody comes to you. Doesn't matter how much money you've got. Try no playing it with Southampton, from... but you just 
put all the best players on your team. But, yeah. but it doesn't matter how much money you've got. No, all of the players refuse to come and play. Nah, not having that. I've, I've oh, been go to the mate. editor and you put your team's reputation up to 100. It's, yeah. it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, so, or, or the not, other way. I'm, the other way Doug, I've done it is... Doug, I'm by, not a cheat. Oh, mate, I've, I've cheated on a numerous occasions. Just go manage Man United and buy a really shit youth team reserve goalkeeper for 50 million. There you go. That'll, that'll sort your coffers out. Um, Retire from management. Uh, but yeah, the flip side of that is, I said it pre-Christmas sometime, I think Gloucester are playing really well and they're, and they're looking like a decent side. And I think it's, I know it's easy to say with the table looking the way it is. I think the top three will end up being the top three and it's between Gloucester and Northampton for who's going to get that that fourth spot. Um, I really like Geordie Reid. I think he's a he's an abrasive little irritant. Um, obviously, Dublin's a machine, tackling-wise. They've got a decent back line there. Uh, Hastings seems to be pulling the right strings where... Whoever else they've had at ten historically hasn't been able to. He's um, really turned it around there, Skippington, isn't he? And yeah, without he, without whole scale staff changes. Yeah, or without player changes, big big name. You know, it, it's he's kept the squad together, and he's yeah. de- and he's developed it. And you think, okay, you know, with um, oh god, what well, Don Walduck? He's got Don Walduck as the backs and defensive coach, I believe. Yeah. And he he's done a great job. So, you know. And actually seen a little bit of Jack Singleton in the last month or so, which kind of, yeah, something where you go, you're not just a bang average hooker who's got picked because you're available. Um, now, I'm not saying he deserves to have won all the caps that he has won, but th- there's a bit of something there. You'd probably say that's just Gloucester... what I look for in my England booker. Sorry, exactly a bit of something, yeah. a bit of something. Yeah, you'd, you'd probably say that Gloucester from the back row outwards, so the backs and the back row, are probably stronger than Saracens on paper. Just just the teams that were put out on on Saturday. Um, you'd say Reed as a six was probably more mobile than Ezekway. Ludlow and Earl probably fairly fairly level, and then Ackerman without Billy in that team, he's, he's the best number eight on the pitch. And then you've got a Scottish, two Scottish internationals, a Welsh international, and two England internationals in Gloucester's backs as well. So at the moment, they've not got a bad starting yeah. fifteen. Chris Atkinson and Harris are your atypical rock solid premiership centre partnership, aren't they? I know Harris is a, a Scotland international and a lion. Mark Atkinson is, is one of the most consistent performers in the premiership for the last three or four years, really when he's been fit and they've, they've got that. They've got strength. They've got, they've got a bit of flair without being too flamboyant, but they get it done. And they're, they're quite, very, very good in defence as well. Yeah, it's quite an old-fashioned centre pairing, isn't it? Yeah, it both, is. Both good, good in defence. One's a big unit. The other one's pretty tough. Sort of defends that outside channel. And then you've got... Uh, Reece Samit was on the bench, but you've got Reece Samit and May, which is real wheels, isn't it? So 
you know, Gloucester, they're one of those teams, I think, you know, a couple of injuries, suddenly that team doesn't look quite so impressive. But at the moment, you know, the results are showing that's a pretty handy, handy starting 15. Yeah, definitely. And, and, they're, and they're, they're trending in the right direction. So, and they're up to fourth, right? Like Gloucester, are, we're halfway through the season. And Gloucester in fourth with 40, uh, 38 points. So, you know, they're, they're not far away. I mean, extra in sixth with 33. Um, Northampton, 35. Gloucester, 38. Quinn's, 42. Saracen's, 43. And Tigers, 51. So, I mean, there's still there's still plenty to play for. Um, I mentioned Exeter there. Uh, I, I sat and watched this game yesterday afternoon, um, fully expecting it to be an absolute cracker. Um, and it absolutely was. The polar opposite of the Premiership final, where it was all hands, 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 tries, tries, tries. And this was one of the most hard-fought games that I've watched for quite some time. Exeter, in the first 20, 25 minutes, completely outplayed by Harlequins. Um, That early try from Northmore, who seems to be improving all the time. Um, And Exeter couldn't get out. They kept making mistakes. They gave away silly penalties. They kept knocking the ball on. And every time they looked like they were going to get out of their own their own territory, they, they'd make a mistake or, or Quinns would just, would just bosh them back. And they just had the spell. They actually just had a spell at the end of that first half from about the, yeah, 25, 26 minutes to, the, to just about the half until, until the incident that we'll come on to, where they just start they just started to play you know they just you know the way the x to do they just sort of turn the screw and you just thought oh here we go they've, they've sucked in all of this pressure they'd only conceded seven points and then before you knew it it was seven all and you're like how how the fuck have Exeter done that and it was a real like belligerent almost a master straight it's like how have they managed to to soak up all this pressure and then obviously came came the sending off and there's been a lot of chat about it all over, all over Twitter, as you'd imagine. Oh, Simmons needs to be banned as well. Oh, this, oh, Hepburn this, oh, Hepburn that double red cards. And all these people shouting for double red cards clearly didn't, didn't see the incident. I'm assuming you've both seen the incident now. Yeah. um, It's fairly straightforward to me. To be honest, um, I don't. Yeah, don't really want to spend any more time talking about it than we have to. Simmons is making a clear out on Joe Marler, and Hepburn comes in as a second person to make that clear out, and clearly lifts half of Marler because a chunk of his weight's being held by Simmons. Tips him directly up, upside down, and drops him. There's, I mean, it's it's a fairly straightforward. Red card, he'll get a ban for it. Simmons was in the act of doing a perfectly legal perfectly clear, clear out. out. That's right. Yeah, people say, "Oh, well, you know, I've I've seen people really angry about this on Twitter." Um, well, those people need to get a life. Yeah, I had a conversation with a, with a couple of people today. Nick uh, Nick Johnson, who's who's been on the pod, and we, you know, we all reached the right the, the conclusion that Simmons, by the letter of the law, didn't actually do anything wrong. 
And Hepburn, you know, do you think that there's an element of Hepburn almost a lesser of two evils? Because had he kept hold of him, the only other thing that could have happened was he would have looked like he would he'd actually pile drive this head into the floor. Do you think him letting go was a you know, was a reaction to go, actually, I need to let him go, otherwise it's going to look a hell of a lot worse? I think it was a case of he'd lifted him up and it, and I think it was almost disregard. He lifted him up and chucked and just dropped him and said, I'm done with him. Um, move on. And rather than him, I don't think at any point, and I could be wrong, um, and I've met Alec Hepburn a couple of times. He seems like a really nice chap, but we all know what happens when we cross the whitewash. I don't think at any point did he think, um, oh, I've lifted him over the horizontal. I've got to try and find a way to get out of this. I think he just went, screw you, Marla. <laughs> that uh, Joe Joe Marla had been getting in his head. And uh, and, and it's it's great to see that Marla got straight back up, didn't didn't really moan and whinge about it. Um, and yeah, clearly wasn't hurt. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's it's... It's a red card. We've seen red cards like this for the last few years. It, it's been spotted. He's been carded. The game moves on. Um, and yeah, there was on the Twitter group chat, there was a bit of conversation. It was all finished by the end of half time and get back on with the rest of the game. Yeah. But moving back to your original point, Russ, I've been saying it all season and probably most of last season that Exeter's game that got them the doubles based on. 100% execution of core skills and a fairly straightforward game plan. Um, and yes, there's some creativity mainly around Slade and then you bring in Hogg and Noel as well that can add, and, and O'Flaherty, you can add an extra level of creativity there. But the basis of it was execution of core skills. And having been at the Bristol game, they were they were fantastic and back to nearly their best. But when you only do 90% execution of those core skills, they they scraped a win that they should have thrashed Bristol with the amount of possession and territory that they had. And two years ago, they would have had a bonus point by half time. And then what happened on Saturday was they, they were at 80-85% execution of those skills for, for much of the game, which is why they, they ended up losing it. Um, and it's been happening, as I say, for the last two years that they, they just haven't hit that reliable precision with the jobs that they do. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Part, I'm sure part of it's personnel. They look a lot better with Dave viewers playing than, than the games at the start of the season when he wasn't playing um, because his picking goes around the corner are like an elephant picking and going at you. Um, the, I think they miss Vermeulen. Um, they really do. Because he's an absolute animal. Uh, I'm not convinced by the Hill-Grey combination in the second row. Um, I think I don't think they've they've actually got their second row right for a couple of seasons. Um, but do you think yeah. do you think they're a bit similar, Phil? Yeah, yeah. I think they're too, they're too alike in the way that they play, um, and they're. They're both very good at what they do. They're both workhorses, but I think I just think you need something that's a bit different, either something that's a bit more mobile. I think I think they look better when they have 
Hill and Simmons in second, um, Hill and Skinner in second row, and obviously both of those are going at the end of the season. Um, than when they have Hill and Gray, I think it just the balance is a bit better. Um, like Sam, Sam Simmons in the Bristol game, um, he was he was all over the park, literally all over the park, like an absolute animal. And then on Saturday, I thought he was a bit quiet. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things where if, when everything clicks and everybody's playing at 100%, they, they look like the best team in the world and they make rugby look easy. But all it takes is that to slip a little bit and all of a sudden they well, all look very, they look very beatable every game. And that's, and that's the thing, isn't it? When you do basic things very, very well, right? It kind of, it's construed as boring and, and, you know, lack of lack of flair and all that sort of stuff. But you but you have a game plan, you stick to it. Saras has did it for a long time. Exeter had their way of playing for a long time. When you don't when you have a simple game plan that doesn't necessarily rely on flair and individual brilliance and those levels drop, it's very, very noticeable. Yeah, and I'd say that their game plan in some, in most respects, is the the most basic of the basic. Um, and to, to put that into context, in the game today, that I'm sure we'll come to in a bit, when Genge was off with the yellow card, George Ford did a fantastic job of managing that clock by going to a multitude of different kicking options, but they're all either contestable or they were really good territory gaining kicks that they knew the ball was going to come back to them and he can take his time and he can pick a different kicking option to to move it around you wouldn't see Exeter doing that they would stick with their consistent game plan yeah um, of take it up four or five times if we're not making the yards we'll box kick it if we start making the yards then actually we'll we'll start bringing the backs in because we know we've sucked people in and there's a gap um, which which they have done which they did last week with with Noel um yeah, for a try last week when he when he kicked through, um, or was that yesterday? God, am I mixing my days? No, Bristol? it was it was it was Noel's little nudge off his outside boot for O'Flaherty to score against yeah, Bristol. That's it. That's it. And, and they did try. that. Absolutely and they did, and they did that off first phase. And and they can do an extra can do that, but they can't do it all the time because it's that's where you know they, they soften teams up and they create they create those gaps. Yesterday they defended unbelievably, like unbelievably, for sixty minutes. Yeah, of that game because they only had the they probably only had the ball for fifteen mm. of it. Um, so yeah, 60, 65 minutes they defended doggedly, and when they you know they they got back into it, it was a good try from Slade, a couple of kicks to the corner, a couple of roundabouts. I mean, uh, Jack Maunder has been struggling the last couple of weeks. I think his brother has looked better when he's come on. Um, But yesterday he dropped, he was dropping balls at the back of, at the back of rucks and putting himself under pressure. And then yes, the conditions were tricky, but he was making a lot of individual errors. Um, The Slade, Noel, um, Hog axis is looking probably as good as it's ever done when they actually get the opportunity. but when they scored that try in the second half, after all of their defence, it was so 
stereotypical Exeter where they just went, they went bang, line out, penalty, line out, penalty, line out, line out, try. It was like metronomic Exeter. They just went bang, bang, force a mistake, bang, force a mistake, bang, try. And they did everything to keep Harlequins out. But Marcus Smith, I mean, I cannot... Marcus Smith, Alex Dombrant, and Esther Hazen are phenomenal. Yeah. F- phenomenal. And, and you know, Care is playing well and is facilitating their excellence by allowing Dombrant to have the ball, by getting Smith quick ball. But, es- I mean, Smith and Esther Hazen, they, they're... Well, world, they're world class. They're they're different class to anything in the Premiership at the moment. Um, ben will Ben will chuckle. I'm going to put George Ford with him because I think Ford has been fantastic for Leicester this season and is still right up there um, and shouldn't be forgotten about when it comes to to English fly halves. But Esther Hazen and and Smith with with Don Brandt making those meters and he acts such a such a big decoy for them to allow the likes of Green, Northmore, Liner, Murley, whoever it is they've got in the back three to do what they do. Now, well, they didn't click yesterday, that back three, at all, really. And it was Esther Hazen that did all the damage. But, Ben, you were going to come in? Well, I was just going to say, sort of, when we were talking about simple game plans, I don't think many successful teams do have a complicated game plan and you know you you say about attacking off first phase but you know as you said Exeter are capable of doing it and a lot of teams are capable of doing it but they're not going to do it every time because it becomes predictable whereas that that try that um that you were just talking about with Noel's kick was you know it's something a bit different that caught you know that caught a team unawares and they they put the ground rules down for it um so you know Exeter got a simple game plan um, that involves possession and and wearing teams down. The the successful Saracen sides taking the money out of it. Their game plan was pretty simple. They just sort of env- enveloped you in defence and beat hell out of you basically with their ball carriers, which gave them then the opportunity to score tries late, as Phil mentioned. And and Quinns for all the ex- you know the exciting runners they've got, they've got an old fashioned straight running twelve who, as you say, fixes the defence, and they've got a big, smart ball carrier, eight, who is always going to make ground. So, you know, even with all the bells and whistles and the two great halfbacks, they're effectively using big ball carriers. And I wonder if part of Exeter's problem at the moment is if you take Ewers out of there, they don't have a lot that's going to just batter Batter through well, a defence. You, you, you haven't got um, Cowan Dickey in there. You know, Simmons is a great runner, but he isn't going to knock a so Cow- player So Cowan Dickey, Devoto at 12. Yeah. Um, I also think they're massively missing Harry Williams at tighthead, um, and they're struggling in the set, set piece as a result. And and Vermeulen as well will run hard at people. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and... They reckon say about, and they'll be back during the Six Nations sometime. Yeah, I, I, and, and as you say about Gray and Hill, neither of them are 
huge runners. They, yeah. yeah, like Hill gets around and makes some ground through his, you know, really good support play. And Gray just carries a lot, but they're not um, sort of Brody Retallick style or, or Exabeth style sort of, you know, what would be the word, you know, a bit more dynamic. Um, so, so maybe that's Exeter's problem at the moment. Um, they're they're going to be in it, you know, they're still going to be up there at the end of the season, though. Yeah, uh, you'd absolutely, you'd absolutely think so. Um, and the and the last try, I mean, the the stones from Smith, he he saw, he seen Esther Hazen wide again. Like Esther Hazen was in that wide channel when everyone was expecting him to be ready to to smash it up through the middle and then for for smith to land that conversion from basically the touchline in horrific conditions was just it was different class and he's you know he's phenomenal and he he needs to be just given a rein to to go for england and and we'll see what happens doug you disagree with that well, no, I was just shaking my head because I needed to dispatch my computer out of the uh, window. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, you were, Doug, you were at, uh, at Newcastle yesterday um, for Newcastle versus Saints. Anything to report from Kingston Park? Um, Newcastle weren't very good. Okay. Care to elaborate on that? Um well, they considering considering everything we say again about Saints, they just let Saints do what they wanted, basically, and and sort of tight first twenty five minutes, and then there was a breakaway try, and in the second half, Newcastle just rolled over and had their had their balls tick tickled. Basically, it was um, a little bit one one way traffic, which is surprising for a Saints side going up to Newcastle, really. Like they they tend to not travel very well, but um, again, you can't you can't read too much into it because Saints could come out next week and be absolutely horrendous. So, you know, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what any of us? Yeah, fair enough. Um, they're, they're just they're, they're um, well, they're they're Tottenham. Northampton Saints are Tottenham. Yeah, they're never they're good enough to be in games, but they're never good enough to win more to win the big ones. Yeah, I think that's Saints in a nutshell, basically. Um, <coughs> we'll, um, just sorry, I just to go back a second, and then we'll talk about Saints because I. I think there's a bit more positivity than Doug's giving them. Um, back on the Exeter Chiefs thing, I was just trying to think who was the second rows when they won the Premiership the first time round. That were the, the hard ball carrying second rows. It was Dave Dennis, Mitch Lee's. Uh, uh, yeah, Mitch Lee's was was there as well. Um, but yeah, for, for me, Dave Dennis was the player that they're missing um, in that second row. But yeah, no, I I think there's a lot more positivity about Saints. I just think they are. Uh, there's a big question mark over what happens with Chris Bo- after Chris Boyd because he wants to go back home to New Zealand. Um, 
Yeah, because but he's found the, the Premiership too hard. Well, potentially. But there, there's a lot of positivity around that squad that's just going to take a bit of time um, and maturity. There's still, there's still a really young backline there. Um, how long's Bigger contracted for? Uh, two more years, I think. Okay, so Bigger for for two more years with a, the rest of the backline maturing and and learning and growing. I th- I think there's a there's a really good team there <coughs> for the future. And yes, they will every so often throw in a loss to Worcester. Um, they'll probably get turned over by Bath when they play them next. But oh, well, that's that's nailed on. <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there's a lot more positivity about that squad than there was a year ago. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bath there, um, Ben. Bath are no longer winless after yeah, being Austin today. Off and running, <laughs> wallop, wallop to the mighty 14 men of Worcester by two points, three points. It's getting better by the minute, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's nice to get a win. Uh, it's nothing to get too excited about. Um, Franco in our Twitter chat has posted the next five fixtures for Bath, which look frankly horrendous. <laughs> um, <laughs> was it Leinster, La Rochelle, uh, La Rochelle, Leinster, Quinn, Saracens, Wasps? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, if they get two wins out of that, then it might be something to get excited about. But um, I won't hold my breath. Uh, <laughs> it, it it can't do any harm, can it? You know. Sometimes one win leads to another. I think they shouldn't be bottom on paper, but they're definitely bottom on grass. So any confidence boost will be very welcome. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes, you, enough. sometimes you see those headlines on BBC Sport or whatever that so-and-so beat 10-man whatever. Sort of Spurs failed to beat 10 men Southampton, as happened uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then you look at it and you see that the red card was like in the 83rd minute or something. Mm. And you go, well, that's not really the case. Sixth minute to, to yeah. lose a player in the sixth minute. And I think um, it wasn't the sixth minute partially due to how long they t- t- took to talk over it. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't seen the game or the highlights. The report but... I said... It said the incident happened after 75 oh, seconds. Oh, well, so, <laughs> so yeah, the Worcester loosehead got sent off after six minutes. The Bath tighthead got substituted after two minutes. So I'm wondering whether that was part of the same that incident. That was the accident, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he made contact with the head of Will Stewart, so... And and you've beaten the mighty Worcester with their their scrum of Sutherland who got sent off, Annett, Judge, Batley, Kitchener, Hatherall, Hill, and Kvesic. Wow, that's that's a scary looking front eight, isn't it? Um, hey, a win's a win for Bath. Let's let's, <laughs> yeah. let's not go overboard. It is, it is. But yeah, Phil, you've raised me. You've really punctured my overconfidence now, mate. Sorry, sorry, Ben. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Does that win? What was it? Not was it? Not four games ago that 
they said, or, or was it, or was that just Franco making some stuff up, saying that they're going to give Stuart Hooper four games to decide whether he keeps his job or not, and this was the the fourth of them. And it's almost like I don't know. Do, do, do they want to have won that, or do they want to clear well, house and start again? Put put it this way: no, no, no one is going to want to take the job in the next five weeks. No, no. Yeah, they may as well leave it as is. Um, the other game today was uh, Leicester going down um, at Wasps. On Wasps. Going down on what? I mean, that would be a, a tantalising affair, wouldn't it? Um, Indeed. An early, early yellow card for Tommy Reffle. I didn't see most of this game, unfortunately. I don't know if any of you guys watched more of it than I did. I turned it on for the last 10 minutes, just as um, Wasps slotted a penalty to go 16-13 up. Leicester went all the way down the other side of the, the pitch. Had about three or four scrums which is where they marmalised Wasps. And then I walked out the room, come back at full time, and they'd still lost, and I couldn't quite work out how. Um, Phil, are you able to uh, shed any light? Yeah, I, I was, I was ripping a wall down whilst watching the first half, so I didn't necessarily, I wasn't that that Did close to watching hands, it. Phil? Uh, it's the housewife's favourite. Naked from the waist up, ripping down, walls down with your hands. Down, naked from the waist down, I was. Um, and he wasn't but, using a hammer. I can hear spanks snapping at the sound of that, <laughs> at the thought of that. But um, I watched most of the second half and, um, yeah, Leicester just, Leicester weren't clicking by any shape of the imagination. They were really struggling to to make it work. But equally, it was, it was a bit like Friday in that there was, there was quite a lot of it that just was a bit error-strewn. Um, Atkinson, the young wasps, fly half, absolutely shanking a clearance kick off his shin, but luckily hey, it manages to... Hey, don't worry about that, mate. Don't worry about yeah, that, Charlie. It was, it yeah, was worse you... than that, wasn't it, um, Phil? He was trying to do a cross kick in his own 22 and managed to kick it backwards. Was that, the, uh, was that a different one? That was a different one. <laughs> this one, he was, he was trying to put it into touch and it went straight down the middle of the pitch. Oh, that, yeah, that one as well, yeah. <laughs> but when um, it went like 60 yards, unlike your shanks, Russ. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, it just, Leicester just looked really formulaic and one-dimensional for, for the last half an hour or so. They just looked like they were devoid of, of much in the way of ideas. And having said that, that Ford really managed that um, that yellow card period well, which he did, His, he, he managed the, the clock there fantastically, there wasn't really much in the way of cutting edge. I mean, there was a nice little cross kick from Ford, to Muramuravalu, who caught the ball and then seemed to Stop. forget what sport he was playing. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I've got it, I've won. Oh no, I, I've got to do something more here. Um, he looked he looked really useless when he came on. Um, looked, looked like he hadn't run with the ball in his hands ever before. It was like under sevens. Um, and I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick on him as much as Duncan might think that I was going to. Ben Youngs, he passes the ball. He then kind of walks over, watching it, admiring it, and then waits for the tackle to be made and then goes, shit, I've got to be there, and sprints across. So they're always waiting for him to get there off second, third, fourth phase ball when you get a bit of go forwards. And it just kind of breaks it, breaks the, the speed down completely. Um, 
but yeah, it, it wasn't their day. It wasn't, they weren't really at the races. Wasps were pretty poor as well. Um, now, was it that the conditions were particularly bad? If you judge by the fullbacks, they must have been terrible because neither fullback had a particularly good day. Um, Stuart missed a, knobbed a couple of balls. One, one he tried to stop and I, I don't know whether he nutmegged himself or it went off his shin or something into touch from a hoo-ha kick through. Um, he put a kick, he put a kick through. I, I think he was looking for territory and just stuck it straight down 15's throat with loads of space. But then their 15 kept dropping the ball that was that was straight towards him. It was just, yeah, it it, it was what you would expect from level eight kind of rugby. Um, I'm obviously going to stick up for Stuart. Um, the one that it? went through his legs was an absolute pig. That was that was. I, that was so hard to feel. That was a. I don't think anyone would have. It was moderate. It was that. moderately bad. It was really travelling. Um, but yeah, I mean, poor old Crossdale at fifteen for wasps was really struggling, wasn't he? And yeah. I think Stewart was probably symptomatic of Leicester in that they were all just a bit, yeah. And it, it was almost like they. They they were so they, they they got so much confidence from from all these wins that they just got to the point where they were like if we just carry on doing what we've been doing we're gonna win and it actually nearly worked but wasps um, did up their game from the second half and they looked better when Porter came on at scrum half because you know uh, for any criticism of of Youngs he Porter definitely wasn't slow at getting to the ball and getting it off the floor. Um, I thought uh, Barbary started to come into the game in, in the second half as well. Um, yeah. He started to look dangerous. And, and for all the criticism he got a few years ago, I think Shields is a really good player as well. He's a fantastic, um, he, I think he's a fantastic premiership. Yeah. I just think he was mis, mishandled and mismanaged for England. I think they were yeah, asking him to do a job that he isn't there to do. But I mean, Christ, if, if I was playing back row, I'd be more than happy to have Brad Shields on the other side with me. Yeah, um, especially for Nuki seconds. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but Bar- Barbary's a really interesting one because there's still people, despite the fact that he's, I don't know how much rugby he's played this year, but minimal, uh, uh, wanking him off as being the next best thing. But, like, he's good. That's that's as far as it goes, as far as I'm concerned at the moment. Yeah, he needs he needs to play a season and a half of of Premiership rugby before he's going to be anything more than good. Yeah, and he's not standing out like he was when he first came through. You know, whether that's just he's not quite back from his injury yet, or it was just but there's a, a sort of a novelty. There's factor. a catalogue of people who have come through and had a couple of really good games and people start raving about it, who turn out to be quite average. People were raving about Ogre when he first came in. And yeah. to me, he's he's a decent premiership player. I, I think we need to work out what position he's going to play as well. I mean, he did a pretty decent job at six, but um, he, he's built maybe more like a, like a front row forward, maybe. Um, I think it's probably if he if he's got serious England aspirations, I think there's more opportunity at Hooker because I mean, be, behind gonna... behind George and Karen Dickey, there isn't a lot. Mm. But you know, like like you say, if he's gonna if he is gonna 
come through there, he's definitely going to have to get a lot of games under his belt. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as, it wasn't a great game in the same way that the Bristol game wasn't a great game, but it had a fairly, fairly exciting ending, which always sort of leaves you with a uh, sort of more positive um, view of a game. And you know, Wasps did well to hold on, and then uh, your your mate, uh, the substitute, who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, um, Murray. Sort of fitting, yeah, old Murray, sort of fittingly dropped the ball, didn't he? Um, I mean, Leicester are are sort of on the bare bones a little bit. You know, Dolly came on in the back row, um, and you know they had a couple of yellow cards as well, so. You know, it's probably just have to put that down as a bad day at the office. And I, I know, thought their hooker played really well. His name, I can't um, remember. Yeah, he did. He put in some. Well, he he was leading the tackle count by about by about double at one stage from both sides. Mon, Mon, Monto, Mon, Montoya, Montoya, yeah, yeah Montoya. Yeah, I was going to say that, and I thought I was going to get grief for it. Um, um, yeah, no. The only other thing I was going to say is the bit that rusted. Did see um, Leicester had a scrum five meters out, absolutely crucified the wasp scrum penalty, uh, and I thought at the first one he could have given a penalty try. Had another scrum, absolutely crucified them penalty, and at that stage I thought easily he could have given a penalty try. Ben Youngs gets the ball right in front of where the referee is saying penalty, taps and dives over the line, and the ref is like, "Oh no, 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 I can't," and I just thought actually. You know what? Let's not be anal about a yard or so from what, where mm. the mark is that he hasn't actually made. He's taking it quick in front of the the ref. <laughs> when um, a scrum, a nine, when you a, can't do much more than that. When a scrum has folded like that, the penalty could be anywhere from in the in the sort of eight meters that the scrum had sort of collapsed backwards, couldn't it? You think yeah. so? If it, I and I'm not saying think, that um, I think um, Leicester deserve to win, but I mean that that. Nine times out of ten, they'd have scored a try there, mm. either from a penalty try or from the tap and go. I thought Leicester was shit. Yeah, wasn't that what I said? Yeah. They were one-dimensional yeah. and flat. Yeah, I can't believe they've won eleven games this season. They, it, it's three phases and a kick. It's it's England. It's England two years ago. It's dull, one-dimensional, boring rugby, and I think. Potentially, they might get start to be found out a little bit from here on. So, I put before the game. I put on the on the Twitter group chat that I really wanted Leicester to win, and I'm disappointed nobody asked me why. Um, and the reason I wanted them to win is I, I poetic comedy of seeing a team potentially going the entire season unbeaten to lose to Gloucester in the semi-finals. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Um, Right, any more any more on the premiership? Any more premiership chat before we move on? Roger that. Right. Uh, very, very quickly, one one last subject I just want to touch on is the um sweet, sweet irony that Wales and Scotland might have to play their Six Nations games in England so they can have a, a fan base. Um, I mean the Welsh, without getting too political, the Welsh first minister is basically got one foot in the grave anyway. Um and still trying to keep crowds out of grounds um, is is going to seriously damage uh, 
uh, any Welsh or, or Scottish Six Nations hopes. I mean, let's be honest, France are going to murder everyone. But, you know, it would be lovely if Wales and Scotland had to play their home games in England, wouldn't it? Read some bullshit that if Wales play to empty stadiums, it's gonna it's gonna um, ruin their finances of the entire country, not just the WRU, for the next six months. Shows you how much beer they drink, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolute fuckers. Makes you laugh though. I mean, oh, they, where where would they play? It? Where would you know? Where where could they play it? Would they play at Ashton Gate? That's only twenty odd thousand. In the park. Wales's fan base is, is South Wales predominantly. So, I mean, Birmingham logical was anywhere. Um, they'd what they'd want somewhere forty thousand plus. Hey, really, wouldn't they? They, How big is the park? Ben? I just I just I just assumed they'd play at Wembley. Yeah, that's where they played back in the nineties, wasn't it? When they were um, redeveloping re- redeveloping Cardiff. Yeah, um, and you know. I mean, they get everywhere, don't they? So, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think they'd have any trouble filling up Wembley. Um, no. You know, there's probably enough, probably enough Welsh people in London, but you know, it's straight line down the M4, isn't it? It would make sense. Uh, Cut of hours uh, on the M4. Where are you going? I'll tell you who'd be loving this chat, and that's the ticket resellers. Because those tickets are going to come out last minute. People are going to snap them up and then go, actually, shit, I can't make it. And the resale sites are going to make a killing off it. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, right. Any other business? Doug, I think, has finally thrown his laptop out the window. I <laughs> know um, oh, he's coming back in. He's as, coming uh, back. As an alter ego. Is he? Okay. Um, I, I can do some any other business quickly. Um, I'm assuming one of you will talk about our uh, our fantastic victorious draw today. Um, so I'm not going to talk about that. I want to talk about the hot topic of the year, which is the zigzag lines outside of school. Um, I've I've turned into a vigilante now. I've started knocking on people's windows when they're parked on the, I, on the I used to do that, Tracy. yellow line that says school. Tracy told um, me not to. And then going up to the headmistress and the the caretaker and going, you know, there's cars parked on that on that wiggly yellow line again, and just keep hassling them. Um, but yeah, I got told politely to fuck off on Friday nice. in front in front of three kids from some woman who pulled up in her landy opened the doors, was kicking the kids out. And I was like, do these yellow lines not apply to you? Is it is it because you're in a land room? Do you think you're more important than the rest of us? To which the response was, fuck off. But uh, yeah, just it's it's the height. Well, when I, when I went to pick Charlie up on um, Friday after school, school kicks out at quarter past three. I was well early. I got there at about three o'clock and there were three cars already parked on the zigzags. So they've turned up 15 minutes early and still can't be asked to walk the extra 20 yards. It's just the height of laziness. But you need to get some, the old police deal to get the police guy back there and start monitoring yeah, it again. Exactly. But yeah, that was all I had. Cool. Ben, anything from you? There's no Claude on the apprentice. 
Oh, mate. Is The Apprentice still going? Mate. Yeah, started on Thursday. <laughs> of, of all of the opening episodes of The Apprentice I've ever watched, right? The, again, every series seems to get more and more shambolic. <laughs> and, well, I mean, it makes you wonder where they find these people. It's fucking mental. And the, that guy's, you could see that guy's heart break when the focus group described his logo as looking like a turd. <laughs> it was fucking, it was so bad. It was so bad. But, you know, it's, it's insane. And whenever, whenever they go to pitch, like, and it's always a person goes, I haven't really got any pitching experience, but I'm the project leader and I really believe in this and I really think I can do it. And I just think, just leave it to somebody who can do it. What, mm. what are you doing? They just never learn. They never, ever learn. They want to, they want to make a, impact early don't they and goes badly wrong anyway it was it was quite an entertaining episode but claude apparently claude had an accident so um he's been replaced for a series he had an accident didn't he what the accident? yeah he hurt himself accident <laughs> fell off amstrad towers yeah just just gonna google it <coughs> what doug, was he doing on the what was he doing, doing on, on the, the roof, roof. <laughs> doug anything from you No, no, there isn't. <laughs> is, he, is he frozen? He's back as well on TV. I think it's just a picture. Yeah, it's just a picture. I can't hear him. Jesus um, fucking wept. That was a that was a mission. Right, and he's coming just as we get into any other business. He's now coming with his microphone so he can turn it all off again. Jesus, can you actually hear me? Can we could hear you all the time. Now we can hear you even better. Oh God Almighty! There you go. God, what's um, your any other business, mate? Any other bit? Oh, I can't even remember now. Um, oh, come back to me. Well, <laughs> you're the three really left. It's just no, really left. No, 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 I've got to do me. Go on, tell us about Claude, Ben. He uh, he had a, a cycling accident. Yeah, did he? What and was he, he cycling to... on the roof for? Uh, yeah. He was riding an electric bike, and he's had to have nine surgeries to date. Oh, wow. his right leg. Yeah, so... Yeah, poor old Claude. Poor old Claude. Yeah. Anyway, Doug. Um, moany golf course people just stop moaning. It's pissed it down for three months. Like, close the course for a week and let's just, uh, you know, actually have a golf course to plan in May. Oh, have you got moany golf course people? That's what oh. happens when you play a Parkland course. It's not a parkland, mate. What is it then? It's um, it's on the side of a hill. It's not a parkland course at all. Well, still wet. Well, it doesn't get wet. That's the thing. It's just rained so much that it it has got wet. So therefore, it's got wet. Yeah. Just uh, you know, stop whinging about fucking everything. Yeah, I mean, I played Travos the other day. Did I tell you that? Yeah, you did. Yeah, that that was one we were going to play before the All Over Invitational that you forgot about, right? Uh, well, I didn't forget. But you did yeah. forget. Okay. Um, I don't really have any other business today. I mean, I could talk about, um, as Phil suggested, England pulling finally pulling out a draw in the Ashes, um, but I refuse to celebrate that level of mediocrity. 
I just think that it got down to the final ball. We were nine wickets down and like that sort of shit shouldn't be celebrated. Players doing are... a jaw from the draws of from the jaws of an assing. Yeah, but the, you know the... still haven't made three hundred this tour, have we? Still no. haven't still haven't made three hundred. The players cumulatively. Are players are dropping like flies. I would just fucking almost start again now. Get Pope and Lawrence and Billings in. I wouldn't. I'd um, just go home. Yeah, just just claim COVID and, and banish <laughs> the fit test. Just do just do an India and go home. Yeah. Well, we've got the batting version of Stuart Broad now, haven't we? In uh, Johnny Bairstow. Yeah. Every time he's he's looking like he's going to be back out the side, he get get some runs or wickets. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see what happens with Bairstow. I, I can see Billings coming in. I can see you know it'd be good to see Lawrence. You know they'll they'll bowl Anderson again into the ground. Broad. They'll probably bring Wokes back in. Who knows what they'll do in Hobart for a pink ball test, but the management is shambolic anyway. Chris Silverwood is so far out of his depth. He's um, below Peter Moores when it comes to international um, coaching and management. So there you go. Um, right. I think that's that's about it. Anything, uh, anything else from any of you gentlemen? Uh, Saracens women beat Darlington Moden Park 104-0 today in the Tyrrells Premiership. They did, didn't they? That can't be good. I mean, there was that was probably at home. Those ladies have travelled from Durham, probably. I don't know whether they would have, hopefully, have travelled down yesterday, stayed overnight. Um, but that's a fucking long way to go to get an absolute ass in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and makes you wonder what sort of support they're getting when... Um, when all the the other lady sides, Loughborough, I think they're joining forces with Northampton today. They're doing a double header. Is that right? I believe so. Um, Exeter have got their team, Saracens, Bristol, Gloucester, Hartbury, and then and then the poor ladies from Durham. And, you know, you think that the Newcastle Falcons or whatever would would get behind them and see what happened. You know, but clearly they're not interested. So there you go. Nice and positive way to end the podcast. Um, European rugby is back next week. So yes. there is a likelihood that we'll uh, we'll be back next Monday with uh, with a punch and chat. We'll, we'll get hold of Adam and we'll get some questions. And um, if <clears throat> we may even extend the invitation to a uh, lucky listener, if you want to come on and be part of punch and chat, please hashtag this episode with uh i want to i want hashtag i want to punching chat and and a, and a funny second hashtag of your uh, of your cho- of your choosing they won't have any characters left with that hashtag hmm. hashtag want- punch me <laughs> so yes i like that okay so hashtag punch me and then another hashtag of your choosing, and one of is the, that one of the is that hashtag ones. punch me or hashtag punch Ben? Either they can have either. Hashtag punch me is easier to search. There's one. <laughs> hashtag punch me. Anyway, right. We'll speak to you all next week. Go well. Podcast Network.
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.